listeners i am anusha bharadwaj and with me is sumin freddy we are the hosts for women talk voices of our time this is a global podcast where women come together in a non judgmental and safe space to share their untold stories related to sexual and reproductive health women talk will weave these story threads into a tapestry of sisterhood and solidarity Anusha, is that your baby Zara cooing and gurgling while you're breastfeeding? Yes, and this is what she does every time she feeds. And this was two months ago, Suman. So she's gotten more chatty. Was this the same experience as your first one? No, my first one would just finish his business and go right back to sleep or whatever he was doing. But this one wants to chat, wants to do air bubbles. Uh, wants to tell me about her day, everything in between the feet. So that's just the way I think it is. No, each child is different, and each mother's experience with their children are so different. It is different. And if you haven't guessed, listeners, what we are talking about today, we're talking about the blues and the bliss of breastfeeding, and we all have our our own stories. My own, I actually really enjoyed my breastfeeding. um experience i had a cesarean um but later that evening my milk came in but it was very funny i had the heaviest breasts like they were so heavy i i i didn't know what was going on and then all of a sudden they started to leak and um and the nurse said she said it's fine it's absolutely fine um you can now try and get the baby to you um so that it can get you know start drinking some of the the colostrum and um oh it was lovely it really really was lovely I'm, even as i talk now i'd i'd forgotten because i'm talking 13 years ago but it was the best experience absolutely loved it um i think i had a bit of a blip in the middle where i decided to maybe try the bottle and then i felt i just felt no i don't want to do this I, this isn't really the way i wanted to go there's nothing wrong with bottle feeding but for me i think i i had been enjoying it and then i kind of went some other way and then called up for lots of help on this breastfeeding helpline and i said oh is there any way i can get back to breastfeeding i feel really bad i was in such a state and they said look just get the baby to your breast the more it stimulates your milk the more you you'll you'll produce um other than that i breastfed for 16 months in total but um loved it absolutely loved it it was a bit bit sweet having to you know kind of end it and i did it cold turkey as well i didn't wean him off i just went for it one day i decided no you're not having any more and he was absolutely brilliant and that was the end of that so that was the first time and uh, the second time uh he didn't latch as well but um i absolutely loved it did it for 16 months um and yeah i do i do miss it time to time it was the only time actually the second one would he's not very tactile he's not a cuddly one you know he doesn't want to just keep having cuddles so to have him breastfeed was just lovely because i i could get cuddles from him yeah it's really funny i mean uh, with my first born he was not brought to me for almost 7 8 hours so he had trouble latching on and i had very sore nipples and it was just very difficult for the first one month but after that it was just a beautiful journey and i just hated pumping as well i was like this kid can just come and feed and was no problem at all but my second one she was on my breast suckling within seconds of being born but she has a different trajectory with feeding i mean the first 
first four months uh, was so, so terrible. She would feed straight for like six, seven hours every 15 minutes. And I had such trouble that I had to, um, you know, consult a lactation expert. And and uh, really, I, I just needed some help in understanding what was going on and, and realizing she had reflux and and really persevering. And, and I feed her to this day when she's eight months old and I don't see her wanting to leave my breasts in a hurry. So, so that's, that's just the, the beauty of it. And, and I think just to take this conversation forward, we have Lata uh, with us, who's a lactation expert and a physiotherapist at Fernandez Hospital. Hi, Lata. Welcome to the show. Hi, Amsha. And hi, Simone. Thank you for having me on Women Talk. So you, Lata, must have had conversations like how Simone and I are having with hundreds of women. So, so tell me, what do anxious mother talk, mothers of children talk to you about the feeding experience? Well, as soon as uh, they come, it's always the concern that they come with. Um, common concerns like maybe latching or sore nipples or just, you know, engorged breasts or general stuff like that. But I think it's more about they come to you more for a little bit of uh, reassurance, a little bit of, um, I think, telling you that you're doing great appreciation for what they are doing. And also constant support in this journey. I think, you know, it's not always you solve their problem and then you go away. It's always, you know, you've got to keep checking on them. They've got, you've got to keep coming back to you. Those are the kind of you know, constant uh, support that you need to give these women. And that's what they expect, I think. It's so funny. I mean, I thought before I became a mother and I held this baby in my hands for the first time, I thought we knew it all. I mean, even a TV or a mobile phone comes with a manual, but why is it that breastfeeding is so complicated? Why don't we women just have that manual inbuilt in us? Well, I think uh, the manual is inbuilt in us, but I think uh, a lot of times we lack trusting ourselves and our bodies and maybe even our babies sometimes. So, and also unrealistic expectations from different stories we hear or just preconceived notions, all of this, I think. Lata, you yourself have two children. Can you share a bit about your experience with breastfeeding as a lactician? Because you know it all. And so this must have been really easy for you. So when you say you know it all, yes, I'd love to share my story. I have two boys, a 10-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I fed both of them for a year um, and they self-weaned. But the journeys were completely different. Uh, I, in fact, didn't know anything about breastfeeding maybe 10 years ago. I went into it uh, like ignorance is bliss sort of uh, this thing. And... Uh, I enjoyed my journey throughout and he was like Anusha said, he would come, do his job, go back to whatever he was doing. He was a regular feeder. He gained great uh, weight and he, I really didn't have much issues except for the first few days of maybe crack nipples and stuff like that. For the second one, I had this amazing, beautiful natural birth. I was on a high with that. And I said, oh my God, now I know everything. I am a specialist and nothing can go wrong. I had this birth, I had the baby. I was taking care of the baby relatively by myself uh, and because I had my family helping with my older one. And I said, nothing can go wrong. Everything was going great until six weeks. Then she suddenly started showing this absolutely weird, uh, you know, uh, 
latching and latching, latching and latching. And I'm like, I tried everything in my book. And uh, it was a struggle. It was a silent reflux. And there was a time that it created a lot of anxiety in me. Just the fact that uh, knowing that, you know, I couldn't help myself. I've had so many mothers, but I couldn't help myself. That helplessness and that sort of loneliness and uh, fear and anxiety that I had woke me up one day and I said, you know, to my husband, I can't do this. I need help. So take me to the hospital. I need to, I need to be in a place that I'll be taken care of. And just, I just actually stayed in the hospital for three, four days without really much to do. Just the fact that I'm in an environment, nothing's going to happen to my baby, nothing's going to happen to me. That was the entire postpartum fear, anxiety phase that I was going through. And of course, eventually, with a lot of love and support of family and professionals, I did get over it. And my baby also started uh, breastfeeding again, fine, by the fifth month, you know, when they start sitting. And that was a beautiful journey. I continued till a year. But yes, you can start great, have hiccups. And then continue with a beautiful journey. So it was it was a mixed bag with both, but in the end, both were pleasurable, and I loved breastfeeding them. Thanks for sharing that, Lata. I mean, it makes a lot of uh, you know uh, sense to say that you know as an expert, you felt that you let down, and I think sometimes as women, we are very hard on ourselves. In fact, with my first. I was facing a lot of postpartum depression and mental health is not a new area for me because I work with girls and women on mental health. But I could not, you know, come to terms that I was going through postpartum depression. It must be a traumatic birth experience, having the child away from me, being responsible. And I, I've heard a lot of mothers say that, you know, what really gets them anxious is that they are the sole point of nutrition for their child and what would happen to the child without their milk. What put me in severe postpartum depression and that's something that as women talk we would be uh, doing another episode on it for sure because there's a lot of, uh, of stigma uh, talking about it and in women's talk we want to break that stigma but that's for another uh, another episode but thanks for bringing up the the own uh, your own sort of self-anxiety about breastfeeding and and I'm sure a lot of women have similar tales um, to say Sumon you spoke to a few women so if you like to share so I spoke to a lady called Alekia, who is a mum of three now, and uh, she's enjoying her, her breastfeeding season after you know, going through the different pregnancies. Um, she had quite high expectations of just being able to feed. She just assumed she would give birth and the milk would be there and she would just step into this whole flow of breastfeeding. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen for her, but she has been kind enough to share her story with us on Women Talk. And this is me speaking to her about her experience and her perspective on breastfeeding. Welcome to Women's Talk, Alekia. Thank you so much for taking out time from your busy mum life to share your breastfeeding story with us today. You are mum to a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and an 18-month-old baby. Thank you, uh, Suman, for having me on this show and hearing my story. I'm excited about what you're going to be sharing with our listeners. So let's dive straight in to your breastfeeding story. 
What were your expectations of breastfeeding before you had your first baby? Um, uh, so expectation was already said. More than expectation, I think it was uh, something that I grew up with. Like I, I come from a household of a lot of women. I have my grandmother has nine children, and I've seen six aunts breastfeed their uh, two two children each. And uh, growing up, it breastfeeding was like a walking, talking, and breastfeeding uh, kind of a thing. As a child, I looked at it as a first step, as an important step to be a mother, right? Because I saw all the women just breastfeeding. That was motherhood for me. Um, uh, so uh, you know, uh, I never had any questions because I thought, okay, naturally, you have a baby, then you have milk, right? And I. As a child, I remember I couldn't wait to breastfeed because I, all that I have seen growing up, and I was like, "Oh, I was very excited about the whole breastfeeding." Take us through your journey from the point at which your baby was handed to you. You know, the minute I brought the baby out, I felt so good. I, I felt like I was I could dance. You know, it was it was really like that. Um, and then um, the baby was given. I don't quite remember what happened after. Uh, I think the baby was handed to me for the first, next five minutes. I, I think I fed her for a few minutes probably, and uh, then the baby was taken to do the rest of the formality. You know, check her weight, check the other things, uh, and then given it, given her back to me. So now I don't remember what happened that day. I only remember holding my baby, and I didn't put her down for a second. the whole day so now i don't know if i breastfed her if i did not i have no idea the baby was sleeping so i was happy and the next day she went into the nicu because uh, her jaundice was high which which is very normal in uh, newborn babies so she was kept in the nicu because back then the whole uh, tradition of keeping the baby with you was not very uh, strong um so they took the baby to an icu and they would call me every 2 hours and i would go and feed the baby and feeding the baby in my uh, what i know what i have seen is just keeping your baby to their breast so now i don't know if the baby is latching well the baby so i didn't check on any of these pointers um and i kept doing that uh i think 4 days into an icu fifth day we were back home that's when the reality really hit me because the baby wouldn't stop howling okay right this is she was really howling because she needed me she needed my breast but i was strongly told by my mother that you know you can't keep the baby like that because you have to rest you have to recover the baby needs to sleep why is the baby not sleeping give her a bottle this was the first thing i was told and i was like no 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 why why should i give a bottle i'm fine i will feed her and i i want to try and my mother my mother is the strongest force right she was the only force that i had and the only contact uh, immediate contact i had so uh, and she kept telling me no 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 just give her a bottle because for my mother it was just you can rest she can rest you know uh, i said no no i am not giving a bottle so this was this this is how the struggle has begun now sleepless nights i couldn't my anxiety has begun because why is my baby crying so then my mother said you don't have milk so give her a bottle and the minute someone said i don't have milk now i had i started questioning myself i went into this whole self doubt of oh, what is this does it happen can i not have milk can i not produce milk and then it was just the downhill from there you know 
then every other day everybody who comes to so in, in indian cultures like the baby is born you have 100 relatives coming to see you and the baby right so everybody is telling me the first question do you have milk oh I, i don't know what to say on day day 6 what will i say i have milk or i don't i myself don't know so i would if i say yes they would be like oh you know they would say some comment if i say no or oh, your breasts are too small so you don't have milk i had like at least 3 4 women say this to me you have small breasts so you have no milk and i kept knocking at like some 6 7 doctors um and uh, i would call people i would do all of these things and i would eat so if i call 10 people 10 people would tell me about 10 different foods and i put everything in my mouth all the 10 foods i was eating any information so this is when when a distressed mom is calling somebody i get suggestions okay i get suggestions of do this do this do this you will be fine so i did all of that so now these 10 people gave me a list of 100 things and i did all the 100 things but my baby was not okay and i was not okay um so on i think a, a week into that i kept knocking at the pediatricians and or every pediatrician just told me so i would have like 100 questions other questions apart from breastfeeding but whichever question i put to the ped pediatrician they would just ask me are you breastfeeding do you have milk and uh, i would be like uh, not enough because we already started her on a top feed because of the nicu did right so we were continuing with the top so my anxiety is to stop the top feed because for me it's the most dangerous thing that's happening to my baby right now uh, i need to stop the top feed and breastfeed her so to breastfeed her i need milk now how do i get this milk so the ped would tell me to pump and see how much milk i'm producing now at that point if i pump not even a single drop and the little bit confidence a little bit uh, uh hope you know the, my hope was the littlest at least i had hope would just vanish at that minute because i don't see a drop of milk when i'm pumping and then they would say oh you're pumping and there's no milk how do you think we will feed the baby the baby has to wait uh, gain her weight so it's like every force was acting against my will to breastfeed and the, so this went on giving her top feed but the anxiety of how do i stop this top feed and because i see every week it's a growing baby right you know how it is every day they you have to increase the and the minute i increase one ml and i my anxiety would increase by like a 100 count probably you know and this just went on for 13 weeks and i was at the peak of the anxiety and at the 13th week when the baby was really not gaining weight uh, someone very wise had said there's no point distressing the baby and that's when i realized yes i have to let go this to uh, for my baby not for myself you know this because this anxiety this whole thing is mine not my baby my baby needs to feed so i have finally on the 13th week given her a bottle of formula and i sobbed the whole day the minute she sucked that bottle it i felt like my breast have failed me you know failed me big time and uh, and my anxiety started dropping into depression i started slipping into depression that i didn't know of uh, and i sobbed for days and whenever i would see her with a bottle i would my heart would break into a million pieces because i didn't know uh, i didn't know how to make it right anymore 
you know i lost all the hope i lost all the uh, courage and uh, i really lost it you know i, I my heart, my heart just broke and i felt like i was failing my baby and my, i failed myself i failed my i'm failing my baby nine months i have battled with this uh, not saying it out aloud to myself this is all to myself you know i'm battling with myself i wouldn't even talk to my husband he was there all the time he knew but i couldn't even sum up my words how i was feeling so everything i do i felt like i was failing more and more and more and uh, that's when i think at 9 uh, months i met uh, another pediatrician who has changed my life i must say who's very experienced um, and very nice very powerful woman um, her name is dr kiran i must mention her because she changed the whole game for me so i kept going to her for vaccinations um, and then the third time i met her she again the first question she asked me was uh, are you breastfeeding or are you breastfeeding she asked and i broke down because i said it's the third time you are asking me please don't you know remind me of this because i live with it every second and don't let me talk and that's when she realized oh my god and then she said listen formula formula feeding is not bad so i needed to hear it from a from a from a med from i think a doctor you know i think somebody uh, an authoritative voice you know had to tell me this so that minute i realized all i needed was just assurance you know someone someone to just hold my hand and say listen it's okay it's okay if your body doesn't uh, produce enough milk it's producing milk but it's not enough uh, so you're giving formula and your baby will be fine just these words have have brought down that entire burden of me that that burden that i was going through for 9 months i still wanted to breastfeed her but by then i think she weaned off there was nothing that i could do So I decided when I have another child, I am going to breastfeed him or her. Second time, now this time I have uh, kept myself very well informed. Now I know what it is like, what I need to do because I have spoken to so many people. I've read so many articles. Um, this time I didn't want to get into all the whole drama, right? I was much more confident than the first time. and then the second uh, baby happened it, again it was another spectacular uh, uh, birthing experience because i bought a birth and it was great uh, and the story was the same right my baby again went into had some infection had to go into an icu and they had to start him on a toffee but this time i didn't beat myself up with the same story i said uh, okay i will still feed the baby now i know right so i would breastfeed him and i would give him a scientifically there's nothing wrong with the body something else in place to substitute my breast to my child you know my breast has to be my breast for him so i started giving him top feed with a spoon <clears throat> you know we have these silver spoons so i started giving him top feed with that and he was very good he, he just took it so well happily breastfed for 3 and 1/2 years till i was pregnant and i had my third child i was tandem feeding them you know So in all this, I learned that my body was still producing milk. It probably it was the same amount of milk. The first time I was because I was not informed, because I was not reassured about the process, 
then the third child have now when the third child happened there is no pressure because i have decided to bottle feed him or, or formula feed him so absolutely no pressure you know when uh, we were growing up at least in my generation um, the girls all around me uh, we were told by our own mothers and friends we would discuss amongst ourselves that so the breast starts growing right so if you don't have bigger breast you don't get good men i mean men don't get attracted to you so breast were attached to attraction so now i had smaller breast so my mom would very uh, worry about it you know she would say to my face oh you have smaller breast you will never have men getting attracted to you so the minute i realized this and and then i see how the all the events have have taken place to my third baby so the minute i started accepting my breast i think somewhere in, down the line i have accepted them i made friends at least you know now because i'm feeding my son for three and a half years and now the third happened i know the importance of reading so consciously i have brought my my friend my ignored friend to awareness in my body i have brought my breast to awareness so now i'm able to do it much more confidently you will know it and uh, Uh, and the third then the third thing is to let go let go of your idea of breastfeeding or let go of certain certain things that you the image that you have around and see what what really works for your baby and yourself you know uh, because in my case uh, the more against i was formula feeding and how the numbers have really bothered me you know how much ml of breast milk how much ml of the minute i i have given up the numbers and i just went with the flow of breastfeeding and top feeding i was just the happiest mom in the world now now that you've heard uh, lata alekia speak about her experience uh, what would you like to share with us why do why do women um, you know be hard on themselves and why do we assume a failure when we are not able to understand how to breastfeed i think yes um in an indian society not just indian society i think everywhere we are judgmental you know a lot of times we do make generalized statements we sometimes are insensitive so when a mother can't breastfeed we always say oh oh she couldn't breastfeed it's a sort of a pity in that voice you know that we uh, we bring to that mother and obviously i don't think mothers want to feel that way and stuff like that and also i think not just others being judgmental about the way we go about our breastfeeding journey i think we ourselves are very hard on ourselves as women i think we we feel our body let us down we feel we let down our children we have all these kind of you know um ways that we introspect you know after all this has happened and we are very judgmental about ourselves so um i think the 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 take home should be really that <clears throat> stop really judging ourselves about every step we take cuz you have to go about breastfeeding with an open mind and if you don't have an open mind and you're not accepting to the fact that it is difficult it's going to be bumpy and whatever decision you have to take along the course that is informed i think we have to and don't hold yourself responsible for i mean take complete responsibility for it but also don't have guilt or take decisions with the fear of being judged i would say let as i was listening to alekia share her story she 
she's come under immense pressure from the judgments that she's had during her adolescence and coming into her adult life. There's things that she's heard, there's things that have been spoken over her that she's believed. I'd love to just take out a bit of time to, to dispel some of these myths. Um, and, and, you know, be, I'd like you to be a, a, a myth buster. Um, she speaks um, about uh, small breasts and, um, you know, how her mom said to her that, you know, you're not going to attract men with those. Men like bigger breasts. And already she had this insecurity. So when it comes to breastfeeding, she feels a failure because those small breasts, in inverted commas, she feels have failed her. So could you um, tell our listeners, you know, what are the facts about producing milk and, and do things like small breasts, small hips or cesarean sections, you know, do these things contribute to uh, a lack of um, uh, uh, milk production? Yes, Suman, what uh, the points you've talked about, Suman, are very relevant to our conversation because uh, I see a lot of women coming in saying that, you know, my breast size didn't increase a lot in pregnancy. So my mother told me or somebody told me that I won't have enough milk to feed my baby, you know. And uh, this is where small breasts, large breasts, somebody with large breasts comes in and says, you know, I heard that large breasts can cause difficulty for babies to latch on and therefore I may not be success, uh, have a successful breastfeeding journey. So, you know, the size of the breast really do not contribute to the production of milk. It's purely your baby suckling. It works on a demand and supply. Let's say your baby has latched on early, healthy baby is suckling often with a good attachment. You know that your breasts will make that much milk because it purely works on a physiological basis of, you know, oxytocin and prolactin reflex. The minute your baby starts suckling to stimulate your breast, oxytocin sends the signals and your milk comes in to, for your baby to suckle. And once the breast is relatively empty or is lighter, your, after a feeding session, the signals go back to the brain saying, prolactin, make more milk. Your baby needs so much more. So let's say you don't feed your baby and you're feeding very few feeding sessions and you're supplementing, then that's a different reason altogether. But purely the size of the breast does not contribute to supply. It is purely supply and demand. And how much your baby suckles, how effectively your baby suckles is what uh, production you're going to get. There are also other myths that we can talk about, like, you know, a lot of women comes uh, come in with, uh, I have flat and inverted nipples. And I've heard that women with flat or inverted nipples can never breastfeed their babies and I have to resort to uh, formula feeding. And I, I, I have this, so maybe that's why I can't. So uh, here's another thing. Flat and inverted nipples can cause initial hiccups with breastfeeding because the baby really doesn't, should not ideally latch on just to the nipple, right? The baby should have a mouthful of breast. So nipple is just one of the end results of that good latch that the baby should have. So that just helping the, holding the breast a certain way, which can allow the baby to latch on better, is the kind of help and little more patience in, you know, the baby learning and you learning this. Uh, it doesn't happen magically, yes, but then it is not something which directly contributes to you have flat or inverted nipples, you can never breastfeed your baby. No, that's another myth that is very important to bust. 
Thanks, Natanin. You've uh, you've helped resolve some of the concerns that women may have about the latch and feeding. But going really back to what Alekia was also saying about judgments, and one is of course hearing judgments from society, from family about who you are as a woman and your body, but also how it sort of comes back when we have our childbirth and it affects the way we interact with our child and our whole experience about birthing. Here, I, I think it would be nice if you can share uh, some of the judgments that women have shared that, uh, you know, with you in your circles. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we've had a lot of women uh, definitely coming back to us and saying, you know, um, my mother couldn't breastfeed me. So that's why I can't breastfeed my baby, you know. So they think it is genetic. <laughs> that, you know, if your mom couldn't, then I couldn't breastfeed. Uh, we also had moms really feeling bad about the fact that they chose to mixed feed sometimes, you know, because they were having issues and they uh, supplemented with formula and tried as much as possible to breastfeed. But a lot of women coming to them and saying there's no such thing as insufficient milk. Uh, every mother should and can breastfeed. So you maybe didn't try hard enough, you know, uh, statements like these. So these kind and also when you go back to, you know, your childhood and like like Sumon was talking about body shaming, you know, people talk about your size of the breast or then how narrow or wide your hips are. And when you do actually come to the uh, phase in your life when you're experiencing that, let's say childbirth and you do have narrow hips and for some other reason you ended up having C-section, you begin to associate that with what was told to you always. You know, it's a subconscious memory that's always there that lingers on. Similarly, maybe a mother uh, had difficulties breastfeeding and had small breasts and then she correlates, you know, all these voices that told her it's because of this. So the, this is the reason why we have to be more sensitive to what we say to women and not really uh, judge them or be insensitive and be sensitive more to, you know, sometimes this may come back and, uh, you know, bite you right back, you know, when you have these experiences. So. Wow, thanks for sharing because I think this is lining up really beautifully to what we are going to hear next. We have Bhavani who is a mother of two children who shared with us her journey and it's filled with judgments that she made about others and she made um, on herself and her experience around breastfeeding. Hi Bhavani, can you tell us something about yourself and your children? Um, I'm a working mother with two boys, 10 and 5. And... Um, it's been a good journey till now. How has being a mother changed you, Vaughn? Has it changed you? Or? Well, it changes everybody. No? Um, because until then, um, how you define your priorities are different. And then how you start defining them once the kids come in is different. I, I thought I could be it all, do it all before the kids. And uh, once the kids come in, you realize you're not as efficient as you thought you were. But yeah, it um, it definitely made me manage time better. It increased my empathy quotient definitely a lot more. My patience level is yes. I thought I was very patient, but I realized I'm not as patient as I thought I was. But in any much way, you 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 start redefining yourself. You you're a lot more conscious about your decisions and what you're putting out, how you're putting yourself out because you know you're 
you're being watched you you i guess try to become a better version of yourself mm-hmm. you know for the first time in your life for the sake of another human being and not just for yourself just for yourself so with the uh, the joys of motherhood comes a lot of anxieties about children and i think one of the first anxieties are how are we going to nourish and nurture our child mm-hmm. so um did you breastfeed your children I couldn't um for some reason my potatoes uh, refused to lactate and the first time it was very hard uh, I found it very difficult to accept it I tried a lot I pushed myself too much but the second time I made peace with it so I I just about given them colostrum so I think my younger one was fed for about 3 days elder one on 6 days and after that they've been on formula mm-hmm. How did that affect you? And uh, tell us a little bit more about what that journey was. So um, the first time I was completely unprepared for this because um, I just expected it to smooth very, very normally. Um, I come from I was very critical about that. and uh, when it did happen for me naturally then um, for me the pregnancy was very easy the childbirth was relatively easy and i was very confident up until then and uh, i was i left the hospital i reached home and then things started falling apart because i kept thinking oh it'll come today it'll come tomorrow morning it'll come by afternoon it'll come by evening it'll come and 3 days had passed and uh, and i refused to talk feed him because i strongly believe that it, my child has to be breastfed only and i i could not accept that uh, he will have to be top fed um and he couldn't sleep because he was constantly hungry and he would only sleep if i was holding him <clears throat> even if he was hungry he would fall asleep if i was holding him so so 6 days of no sleep for me because um, Six days I had to hold him for him to sleep. If he was not sleeping, he was crying. After six days, I collapsed because obviously six days of no sleep, literally, not figuratively, gets to you. My back was hurting. I had um, I had um, stitches. I it was a normal, but I had stitches, and you know the entire gamut of it hits you. <coughs> and um, so what happened on the third day was that he. Um, my son cried continuously for about 4 5 hours and then he vomited and then he was too exhausted and he he went into a deep sleep it was almost like he passed out and he and he wouldn't respond if i shook him or anything and i noticed that in his uh, vomit there was a bit of blood and when panadens was around 3 in the morning and there was only the duty doctors the emergency doctors and they couldn't really do much so We went back next day to the pediatrician, and that's when he pointed out that it was—it's not his blood; it's your blood, and that was because I was forcing myself. Um, so that was the first time that um, somebody told me that it's okay if you don't feed because you're causing more damage. You now you, your child cannot digest blood because there's a lot of blood going in because of hardly any milk and. <clears throat> and uh, and he said you cannot feed him until you stop bleeding uh, 
and he has to be on top feeder completely all you can do is pump and if the blood if if the milk is completely free of blood then you can give him that but it cannot be a mixed feed you feed him breast milk then you wait for at least 20 30 minutes and then you feed the formula there was a relief somewhere um but when i would pump there was hardly any milk so maximum of 5 ml would come if i pump for about 20 minutes and um there was no blood but the 5 ml was nothing because by then my son my son was having an ounce every me every feed which was 30 ml and 5 ml is nothing so i told myself okay maybe if i heal a little then it'll get better and i kept pumping because i was too scared to stop pumping because i thought if i if i stop pumping then this will also not come and it used to feel so precious that in 5 ml after 20 minutes of each cycle <laughs> then I just pour it off because it's it's pointless that 5 ml yeah. and yeah, it's not uh, something when you pump so much and you see that you have to even that's when your 5 ml is just this much and it it's of absolutely no use and 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 I was finally looking because until then I was telling myself that maybe it was drink but it's not enough but then I actually saw that this is all that I'm able to make 20 minutes of pumping on each side and it's only 5 ml that's when i realized that i've actually tortured my boy for my own beliefs that he should only be on breast milk and i've put him off my ml diet and uh, that sort of hit me and uh, and then uh, the thing is you know you're not very really clear the postpartum hits you the the guilt hits you the sleeplessness the body pain everything hits you and and i sort of went into this single track session that if i keep pumping it will magically happen you know you hear these these magical possibilities day 10 someone else started at day 15 and then you eat this it will come you do that it will come and you pray you know thinking this at the core i guess where i was going to was it's such a natural thing if i've made a baby and i should be able to make the milk yeah no i think this this is there in a lot of mainstream media that woman will just be able to yes. and uh, this was the sentence that i myself used when i was very judgmental of mothers who for whatever reason couldn't feed their children and when uh, somebody said that i couldn't and i said but why you know if your body is made the baby body will make the baby properly don't try hard enough and i said that before i was a mother and that sentence kept hitting me kept hitting me because i used that on someone else so um and i tried and i tried and i kept pumping till day 20 and around day um um the milk stopped by the fifth day no the milk stopped by um i think um i started pumping on the sixth day because that's when we the doctor said no more until you you've completely healed and there's no more blood you cannot feel it feed your child so i started pumping around day 6 and by day uh, 15 or 16 i started noticing pus so when i would pump there would be no blood or milk but there would be a little bit of pus that would come out and nothing else you know stubborn and i would keep doing it because i would think okay maybe after this i would heal and then it would come out and this was this was all just, and, and i had gone into the shell i refused to discuss this with anybody because you know by then my 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 mom was helping me take care of the child and you know she was more concerned about the child and my regular 
well-being and we moved on to formula and all that but this was me in isolation in my head sorting it out my own way not coming out even realizing to myself that this is a problem that this is not normal that i shouldn't continue to pump mm-hmm. somewhere i was worried that if i don't pump then the lumps would form and i would have this issue or that issue but then actually what was happening was an abscess was forming inside and my bad luck was that i had gone twice to get myself checked with doctors but they couldn't see because they had no symptoms of it from the outside by 21st day uh, i developed a fever and uh, uh, and it had too painful too painful the there was uh, couldn't even talk it was completely inflamed red and there was pus coming out and um, and then at, at, at day 21 i just gave in too much fever and i and i told my mom you take care of the child i am going and getting myself admitted and i went by myself got i uh, the doctors still from the outside i looked completely normal so they said just on the next weekends they said you go home and sort it i said i'm not stepping out of this, this i mean too much pain I mean, childbirth was nothing compared said you give me a room stay here you pump me with um, whatever painkillers you have to pump with because i cannot take this pain it was radiating into my all the way to my fingers to my back to everything and again it was a weekend it was late in the night there was nobody to properly assess it so all they could do was the painkillers and by the time uh, we could get a, a surgeon and a doctor to see me about a day and a half had passed and finally they realized that there was too much of an infection there and they couldn't do surgery because it was spread out too much and they had to put me on very strong antibiotics for it to all come to one place they tried to use a syringe to pull out the uh, pus but it was too thick to come into a syringe so they had to do a proper surgery under general anesthesia they had to cut me up drain the whole thing out and then they had to stuff it with about a meter length of gauze because it it was not supposed to heal immediately because there was so much stuck inside that it took almost a good 15 20 days for it to they had to leave the wound open and uh, for the whole thing to drain this was all just because i was too stubborn to accept that my body was unwilling to make the medical it didn't make Do you think of going to a lactation expert? So there were lactation consultants. The I, I I spoke to the doctors, the consultants, the pediatricians, everybody. But whatever they said, all uh, so the lactation consultant said it'll come. You know, it'll come. There's there's nothing more to it. But what really helped me was the pediatrician when he finally said it's okay. It's okay if you can't feed because. There are a lot of children who grew up without the mother's milk, and what helped the most was my mother-in-law when she she was never best breastfed. Her mother was never breastfed because, surprisingly, in their uh, family, none of the women make milk. So her mother was not breastfed. She uh, was not breastfed, and uh, her children, my husband and my sister-in-law, they weren't either. And my husband was lactose intolerant, so he grew up on soy milk. and from day one when i she was the one who recognized me going into depression and she kept saying don't be so hard on yourself it's all right it's completely all right a child is a lot more resilient than you think he is 
it's not just mother's milk you can give a child even a cat's milk a dog's milk and the child will grow up you don't know how resilient a human body is it's all right you need to take care of yourself as much as the baby you know we all forget about the mother and we are all obsessing over the newborn the newborn is is all right all the baby needs is milk whatever the milk is and sleep you need a lot more care and i did take her advice and um, she kept saying it's completely all right if you don't breastfeed so what i hear is a lot of this is self imposed on yourself and you know this all comes from the being the ideal mother that you hear and see because this is what whatever sort of media i grew up on the movies you see the what it is fed to you that you're not a good mother if if whether it's work related or breastfed related that you're supposed to be the be all mm-hmm. for your child and uh, I, i found it difficult to accept that my body was rejecting my own baby or myself that why is it that i'm not able to do this and um, but how did it affect your you know coming into the pregnancy the second time around so by the second time i i um i since i confessed this whole thing i was i was quite clear that uh, so so what happened the first time my main worry was that my child probably won't be as strong if i don't breastfeed him his immunity might have had evidence that and i kept saying that see your husband's not breastfed she was not breastfed and there there that any other normal child and and my husband was not was grew up on plant based milk he grew up on soy milk he didn't grow up on animal milk or human milk and it's completely all right and she kept saying that it's 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 okay and uh to actually um i remember uh, when my grandma was born she was 3 days old when her mother passed away and uh, she didn't get breast milk either and uh, but at that point uh, they couldn't even give her cow's milk uh, because uh, I-, i don't remember the reason exactly so um because they were in a large extended family there were there were other women who were lactating so she got a little bit of milk here there but after i think uh, after she crossed her third month mark or something then they they gave her a little bit of rice water they gave her Just, you know she didn't she didn't grow up in the traditional diet of breast milk my mother in law and my husband and none of them did but none of that made sense to me when i was depressed and i was too judgmental on myself there's no judgment from outside there's a lot of judgment from me because i had judged women who couldn't or who didn't breastfeed so well, that's i guess the universe's way of teaching you mm-hmm. um so i forgot what your question was No, how how did it affect you when you went second to the time? Second time, second time I was a lot more prepared that uh, I'm not going to breastfeed anyway, and uh, I knew that I can give them the colostrum, and I was okay if I can't give them that also. But the second time I I gave the colostrum and I immediately started with the top feed right from uh, the second day. I slept well, the child slept well. I was my my labor was a lot more difficult the second time, and I had torn a little badly, and I. I was in a lot more pain and all, but I was a lot more at peace because I had, you know, the second time we were a little more experienced. So you know how to uh, conduct yourself emotionally. Uh, you don't drain yourself unnecessarily, and uh, I slept better and it was all better. The abscess flared up again. Um, uh, I think when I was uh, when the baby was five days old, 
but by then uh, I knew that it was the abscess. It was um, um, they couldn't uh, in the scan um, they couldn't uh, tell me if it was uh, milk or blood because it looks engorged. They couldn't tell me what it was. But this time I didn't wait for the milk. This time there was no hope, and this time I was completely okay with not having it. So I read somewhere um, that mostly um, this is an Eastern European trick where they take a cabbage and they crush it so that the juice comes out and they put it on the breast so that it pulls down the engorgement and the pain. So I did that and within an hour or two hours the abscess that had flayed up, the, the all the swelling that had come, it had reduced. So I wore it continuously for about two days. It was stinky but it helped. <laughs> And uh, all pain, everything gone. With it, the guilt went. And I enjoyed my second child a lot more. You're more at peace with yourself, and I am more at peace. Definitely, I'm definitely a lot less judgmental. If not touched, because there are all kinds of motherhood. There are all kinds of choices. You have to do what you have to do. But yeah. what I've taken from this is that. The mother is as important as a child, mm-hmm. and we obsess too much about the newborn. We completely forget about the mother. So I make it a point that whenever I go to see a new mother, that I give the mother and not the child, because I think it's giving the child anything, and now it's giving the mother anything. We all talk about the newborn, but we talk about the new mother. Mm-hmm. That's that's a story that uh, that's 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 the person that needs a lot more attention. The newborns anyway getting the attention from the grandmothers and the mothers and the aunts and, you know, there's a lot of love there. There's this a lot of, um, I'd say, for neglect for the mothers, even for ourselves. We tend to neglect ourselves. Okay. So the second time ever, I took a lot more care. I got my massages. I, I did all that. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed my second time. So what's your message for mothers? Just as you said, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, yes, definitely. Take care of yourself as as much as you take care of your pamper yourself. Thank you, thank you, Pavani, for sharing thank your so Lata, here we have Bhavani who shared with us that traumatic experience she's had. But but again, it goes back to judgment and, and how, you know, as women, we think that if we've been able to produce a baby, we'll know we'll have enough milk. So can you talk a little bit about milk supply and really um, what really is mixed feeding? And when is it that women should hear voice of reason to say it's okay not to feed? Yeah. I think it's always good to go ahead with breastfeeding by getting educated and knowing your facts. Because I think we as a society are way much more prepared for birth and the birthing process and pregnancy and definitely lesser prepared for what to expect when the baby actually arrives. So, um, you know, as much as it is instinctive and natural that everybody keeps telling us, It is not always that case with a lot of us, you know, if you look at all our stories, different stories mothers share, and even if you ask your own circles, I think you will hear if you have an honest opinion about all the hiccups and difficult times that they've had. It's just that it goes back to so many years and they just remember the positive aspects of that and then give you the positive aspects. But it's important for us to be prepared, know what you can expect. Breastfeeding is hard. You may have comfort suckling, you may have growth spurts every few weeks where your baby's latching on forever. 
you may have a change in feeding patterns. Your baby may, may have slept really well and now is awake all the time. You may have colic coming up, gassy babies, you know, all these different issues, sleep regression. So it is very important to be prepared and expect all of this as a part of your breastfeeding journey and have those realistic expectations out of us, not have unrealistic expectations of what the breastfeeding journey really is. Okay, that's one thing. And always information and education works because you have a good kickstart to breastfeeding because you know healthy breastfeeding practices are early skin to skin. So irrespective of whether you have a C-section. Now, a lot of mothers think I had a C-section, I can't, I, my milk didn't come in, but irrespective of whether you had a C-section or a vaginal birth, it is important to have that skin-to-skin, -skin, immediate skin-to-skin -skin contact with your baby. That itself, the hormonal flow and the, you know, all of that works in favor. Number one, there's boost of oxytocin, which is one of the breastfeeding hormones and prolactin. It is also important to feed early and often so as you know, uh, you should choose a, a, a facility which encourages skin to skin, keeping mother and baby together and also believes in that feeding in the first golden hour and not just take away the baby because that colostrum that comes in is really liquid gold. And even if mothers couldn't breastfeed through their journeys, a lot of them are happy about giving colostrum to the baby. And if they haven't given their colostrum and have continued to breastfeed, they have done their best. So it's important to have that skin to skin, that first golden hour of feeding, that importance on colostrum, which in, you know, in boosts their in, inbuilt immunity, to be honest, because it's full of immunoglobulins. And that's something mothers, even if they choose not to breastfeed later, they should know that they should give that, you know, uh, it's better rather to give that uh, colostrum that the babies get. And uh, yeah, giving loads of skin to skin and no prelactal feeds. These are also uh, something we need to address, especially in our Indian society. I, and even in different cultures where they give honey to the baby or a little water to the baby uh, before they give the breast milk. It is practiced even today. So these are the practices that we should look at. Uh, and you'll only know about this if you really read up and are educated about breastfeeding, right? Wanted to just uh, make the point about how long it took Bhavani actually to, um, you know, come to a decision to actually stop pushing herself. Um, as you listen to her story, I mean, that she has put great pressure on herself. There's a huge expectation that she would just be able to do this. What do you say in encouragement? Um, so one, the first thing is the mother has to be appreciated for what she's doing because she's looking at the best interest of that baby and that's what's pushing her to do the best that she can. Um, appreciate the mother for what she's doing and at the same time I think it's important again educate. See if the baby is getting milk or uh, whatever the reasons may be that she couldn't breastfeed. The bottom line is you are going to have what the baby's taking in, the baby's going to bring out. So you are, the first criteria for you to check as a mom is how many times the baby has peed or pooped, you know? That being a baseline of you trying to, and if you're seeing those small improvements in your baby's urine output, despite, you know, with the efforts you're taking, you're seeing that, Maybe for, from a four uh, or three uh, wet diapers, it's coming to five to six wet diapers and improving day by day. You know that you're being patient with your baby and yourself. 
Yes, if there's no poop for three days in the first month and then you're again slowly improving that poop output, then you also know that yes, these are small baby steps and you are uh, looking at going to be there some, you know, soon. But let's say those are those, uh, I'm not talking really about the weight here. If your baby is active, peeping, peeing and pooping, yes. There's a large weight window that we talk about. So when, you know, we get too obsessed with the weight of the baby, when we talk about 500 to 900 grams, the mom, every mom wants the 900 grams. Not understanding that your baby can be at 500 and still a healthy baby too, right? So just, you know, getting this sort of uh, reassurance that your baby is doing fine, if really your baby is doing fine. If your baby is not, and these are clear symptoms, then seek help. If you're not getting, and despite the help, if you're not getting those small gains that you see, then you should know to stop and draw the line and do what is meant to do, whatever the best choice, the second best choice is at that point of time. So you will never, whether it is mixed breastfeed, mixed feeding, breastfeeding exclusively, exclusive formula feeding, starting with breastfeeding and continue formula, starting with formula and continue breastfeeding, you will never fail as a mother because you are making a decision based in the best interest of your baby. And no matter what, I think women have the courage and the strength to pull up their stocks and do what they have to do when their babies are concerned. But just listen, listen, and listen with a calmer mind, a little more peaceful mind, and you will know what you have to act on. So I just want to say that, you know, there were small signs where she was telling herself that, you know, she was too stressed and anxious about all of this. And this was getting to her because she had, uh, she was secluding herself. She was, um, didn't want to talk to anyone. She kept trying despite all that pain. Um, and she felt nobody could help her, right? So I also, these are signs that you do feel when you are also looking at uh, PPD. Yeah, you know, so you need to, again, have this awareness of if you start feeling that in turn, it's going to affect your supply in turn, you're going to get more stressed and it's going to be a vicious cycle. So you need at least a confidant, somebody, your first line, I think, should be a confidant who can give you a perspective, outside perspective of maybe what you're going through. And maybe you should listen to somebody else as well, apart from listening to yourself. And at the same time, look at those small gains that I talked about. But you also mentioned many times, Lata, that, uh, you know, if you're stressed, the mince lap life yes, sort of comes yeah. low. So you're also saying that, you know, it adds to the whole story. It adds to the whole story. cycle, your supply gets low, you're stressed. And again, that affects your, you know, hormonal supply to your breastfeeding and those kind of things. So I did mention that. And then I came to this small gains in physically what you can see. This is the mental aspect of it. And that's the physical, uh, what you can see in your baby for you to really decide where you draw the line. Okay. I spoke to first time parents, Shavi and Darren Urquhart. And they share how they chose a pathway that would work best for mom and baby, physically and emotionally. Shavi, Darren, welcome to Women's Talk. You are first time parents to 11 month old Mava, who was born in the middle of the pandemic last year. Uh, Shavi, it was recommended that you have a, a cesarean section. 
So talk us through from the point at which Maeva was born. So Maeva um, was taken back towards, I was then being stitched up. Um, and by the time I returned, Darren had done the first feed with Maeva with a bottle. Darren, what thoughts were going through your mind when Maeva was given to you along with a bottle of milk? Um, it was a bit overwhelming, really. I, it's not something I've thought about. I always thought if I'm going to bottle feed her, then um, it's going to be in a nice, relaxed, kind of leisurely manner. It, it was it was my daughter just, you know, just brought up to me and um, no mother in sight. And, you know, I didn't know how to, how to sort of like do it. I knew you had to win them. So it was very overwhelming and I didn't know how much to feed her. I wasn't told how much to feed her. The nurses were kind of doing their job. Um, they had another couple of people to see to. So, um, yeah, it was really daunting, but it was quite nice to have some responsibility. Chevy, how would you explain your first few attempts at breastfeeding? How did you feel and what thoughts were going through your mind? So when I returned to ward, um, immediately after surgery, I was then given the opportunity to hold her. And that was just an amazing feeling that I, I really can't put into words. It was just a, a long nine months that just became reality. Um, and I'd learned then that she'd already been fed by a bottle and by her dad. Now, I was so thrilled to hear that Darren had done it. Um, but I guess I didn't expect her to have been bottle fed as her first feed. So it was a little bit of a mixed emotion then. We then moved up to recovery ward. Um, and then exactly four hours later, she started crying. Uh, so we assumed that she was hungry. So I remember calling the nurse and I said, oh, she wants a feed. Um, I'd like to try breastfeeding. And she sat next to me, but she, it felt like she didn't want to help almost. It was like, go with your gut, go with what you think you need to do. And it was only when I specifically asked for help, she was then a bit more hands-on. She kind of guided the baby, guided me. And that was really overwhelming. That was a really surreal moment that I've got this baby straight after recovering from major surgery. And now she's ours, you know, she's our major responsibility with no instructions. You just, you just have to go with the flow. Um, so yeah, that first attempt was, was hard. And I never, ever expected it to be so difficult. I just, I was completely naive to breastfeeding. Um, and she didn't latch and I didn't produce. And that was quite hard to accept when I wasn't producing because I didn't want to be the one that couldn't feed her. I could accept more if she didn't latch, but I didn't want to be the reason why she didn't latch. Um, so we shortly gave up. We then continued with the bottle and then we tried again for the next feed. And it was that cycle over again. We, I started trying breastfeeding. She wouldn't latch, I wouldn't produce. She was getting quite frustrated. Um, and that just kind of went on for every feed thereafter. 
So it was difficult. It was hard to accept at some sometimes that this wasn't working. So I remember um, about three seconds of when Maver actually latched, and that was a really nice feeling. Uh, it felt like it was success, you know. I'd done what I was hoping to do for her, but that didn't last very long. <laughs> she uh, she ended up coming off, and again the frustration built up just because I wasn't producing quick enough for her. So, but I had the reassurance that the bottle was. And as I did it more and more, that was enough for me. And that's when I learned to accept that this is okay. You know, even though I didn't have any preconceptions before birth, when you try, you want it to happen. And when it didn't work, it was fine. We, we both accepted that she was feeding and that's all we, we, we really wanted her to be was being fed. So um, yeah, it was, it was a, a difficult time, I think. Darren, what expectations did you have as a couple about breastfeeding? So we spoke about it. Um, I think Chevy was really determined to do it because being a mother, it's um, obviously a big thing. It's natural. It's it's what she wanted to do. Um, I wanted to support her for, you know, for her decision. But I wasn't too upset if it went the other way because there's a lot of um, things, you know, positives with the bottles. Um, and I didn't get too mixed up in, oh, it's all healthy, it's healthy, because I've never heard a doctor come out and say, this child's in hospital because it was bottle fed. So I didn't get too mixed up in that. So um, so I, I, it was either way, I was 50-50, I was but... I was just there to support Xavi. Um, and when it it didn't happen, then, you know, Xavi was upset and I was sad for her, but um, yeah, it just meant that we could get her into a better routine on the bottle. What was it like watching Xavi breastfeed? So when I, obviously there were a few tries. So when I actually, I saw, I was there when it, it happened for, you know, that brief moment and uh, a smile on her face. It, it does make, it just it is that mother-child bond that a father doesn't have. But I was so happy to see it. And um, yeah, it's just a special thing, isn't it? It's just a juice and milk just to feed a child. Um, it, it just, it doesn't make me feel jealous and I'm not technically part of that situation, but I just felt really, felt a lot of love for, for both of them. Um, and yeah, it just, just makes everything worthwhile. We all know that making decisions as first time parents can be really daunting. So what processes would you say helped you come to the decision to ultimately bottle feed? So I remember being in hospital, um, I moved to a quieter ward where I was able to get a bit more one-to-one -one support for breastfeeding and I remember a mother being opposite me in the same ward um, and every time she went to feed her baby I could hear the mother cry and I could hear the, the baby cry and it was the cry of that mother that really hit me hard because for whatever reason she was 
persevering and I really take my hat off to her because I, I can now say how difficult it is to breastfeed and I don't know if if first time parents are even uh, realise that, you know, it's, it's a really tough journey. But this particular woman just persevered, but at the cost of dreading feeding her baby every feed because of the pain that she was in. But also she was possibly not feeding her baby enough. So it was almost like she was feeding constantly. Um, I'm watching her and like I say, I have a lot of respect for her, but I, it just made me realize that I want to enjoy parenting. I want to enjoy and I want to look back and I want my memories to be of those happy days, you know, based on the decisions that we've both made to raise her. So it made it a little bit easier seeing it firsthand, watching it firsthand, that I don't think I want this to, as a mother. I want to be able to feed my child happily. And that bottle was that second option. And that's what we went with. And that's what we knew suited her. And that's what has made her the little girl that she is today. So finally, Shavi and Darren, if there is a second time, would you be open to breastfeeding, considering all that you went through the first time round? Absolutely. I, I would try again. Um, it hasn't put me off in any shape or form. It was, it was almost a decision that we didn't have to make because it was made for us. Having said that, we do have a daughter now and there's lots of things to consider. We we've got to consider how she's going to feel. And I know babies are adaptable and children are adaptable, but it's a very different experience for her. And it's something that she may not understand fully. So yes, if I tried it and it worked, great. I'm not sure how long I would do it for. And given that the bottle has worked for us and more importantly for Maeva, our choice may well be the same. We may go back to the bottle again because we've just found that there's so many benefits for her that suited all of us yeah i totally agree um i would be more than happy for Chevy to try that again we i've never put pressure on her to do it um and anyone that i thought around us that were given signals to put pressure on Chevy to breastfeed it we always, you know, and I especially always kind of just said to them, it's our decision and there's no pressure. Um, it, it's for the, the mother at the end of the day who has to do it. She's the one that she's the one that has to, to be there during the night and be there during the day. And it's her decision and there should never be any pressure on her to do something she didn't want to do. So if Chevy was happy doing it for a second time, then yeah, I'd support her with that. Chevy, Darren, thank you so much for taking out time and sharing your perspective. This is a story from Renuka, actually. She shared her breastfeeding journey with two boys that she had. And she said the first time round when she became a first-time mom, she just assumed everything would go smoothly like it should, you know. But then she presented with all these, um, these curveballs where she was making enough milk, but her baby couldn't latch on because for the first few days of his life, he was on a intubated well he was ventilated so she was upset and adamant and exclusive to breastfeed but then her baby was in ICU and really losing weight fast and she decided to choose her baby's health and timely nutrition 
over sticking to her need of being able to breastfeed. But she also said, my baby now is a seven-year-old thriving baby, you know, seven-year-old boy rather. And uh, the second time around, she was very much more mentally prepared to bottle feed if necessary. But she was, and thankful that she was able to breastfeed exclusively for the first six months. So that also goes to say that everybody has different reasons why they choose what they choose. And at that point of time, their circumstances and their choices given, they make the best in, best decision based on the best interest of both the baby some, the mother and baby some, physical health some, mental health some. So breast milk and formula milk in terms of calorie intake are pretty much similar. So they both do nourish your child. Yes, science says breast milk has additional immunoglobulins, antibodies, growth hormones, digestive hormones, is tailor-made to your baby as they are growing, all of that. It is a fact that all of that is there. But in terms of are you nourishing your baby with formula? Yes, you are. If your circumstances demand that you make a choice of feeding your baby with formula, you should not feel guilty or bad about it if that is the best choice you had at that point of time. Because bottom line is your baby is definitely going to thrive. Your baby is definitely going to gain weight. Your baby is definitely going to be a healthy baby, irrespective of the choice you make. Lata, can you speak to us a bit about expressing milk or um, pumping, as you call it in India. I did try it for a while. And um, I think the, the good thing for me was that David was able to feed um, our son. And so he had that opportunity to do it on occasions. I didn't do it for long. Um, I wasn't preparing to go back to work or anything, but I did try and it, it is convenient and you can keep it in the fridge um, and, and your husband gets to join in, you know, with the, the experience of feeding the baby. Yeah, Simone, I, I expressed um, milk and fed my baby for like more than six months because after we get six months maternity leave here and after that I had to choose between staying at home and feeding my baby or go to work and give my baby breast milk and I chose to pump every day and I really didn't enjoy it much but then I had to do that because I really wanted to give him uh, my milk. So really, if it works for you, there's, it's not like, you know, this is, this is wonderful always. But if it works, there are some others who swear by pumping and say that, you know, it was wonderful for them. So if it works for you, pumping is a good option. It gives you that break where you can step out, have some time for yourself. Uh, if you have to go back to work or shopping or whatever that may be. Uh, it also is important to know that uh, choose a good pump, otherwise your pumping journey can uh, be painful and not so, uh, so good. Apart from that, it's, uh, you can store your breast milk at room temperature for three to four hours and give the baby that milk. You can always pump milk and refrigerate the milk for three to four days, really. Um, but ensure you always uh, cover it in a good container, may preferably glass or steel. And you can refrigerate or freeze the milk as well for many months. In fact, you can have a separate uh, freezer for your stash collecting through your breastfeeding journey. 
And you can feed your baby this milk anytime, but always remember to label the milk with the date and time so that when you use your stash, you, you choose from the older milk first and then come to a, the more recently pumped milk. You can also, if you're freezing it, just put it in the fridge overnight. And in the morning, you can heat that milk uh, just the way you can heat any refrigerated milk. Not directly, but, uh, you know, put the container in a bowl of warm water and leave it to cool, you know, come down to the temperature of the room and then feed the baby that milk. Um, these are good options that mothers have, really, if they choose pumping. But yes, do remember, choose a good brand of pump that you have, because uh, that will make it easier. You use sterilized ways of storing and pumping your milk and giving your milk back to the baby. Also, this you can choose with bottle or uh, feeding cups if uh, you think Pumping milk too early, you don't want to give it to the bottle because of nipple confusion that we commonly hear of in some babies. So you can always feed express milk through feeding cups as well. In all this blitz and blues of breastfeeding, um, one thing that I wanted to share with the two of you was the first time I, uh, when Zephyr came to me and I was supposed to feed, I just ended up laughing. Like I, I just fell off the bed. Because I was like, here is this child who, whose life depends on feeding and couldn't suckle. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And uh, all of this, I'm sure a lot of mothers have shared with you all these funny moments they've had with breastfeeding. So it would be nice if you can share a few. Yes, plenty of those, really. Um, we've got a mother who actually got this advice, all right? These are also like myths. Please don't take this seriously. But yeah, they are really funny. This one lady told her, don't feed your baby immediately after being in the sun for a very long time because the milk can split. And you need to express a little milk immediately, throw that away and then continue to feed your baby. Yeah, so that was one of the... So listeners, this is a myth. So please go ahead and stand under the sun, have a bath in the rain, whatever keeps you happy. And this really takes the cake. So this lady said, when... A mom has breasts that are engorged or lumps in her breasts that are painful. You take the baby's left leg and rub it on the breast and the lump will disappear. And what do you do for engorged breasts? You do warm compress, you do gentle massage, and then you feed the baby or express the milk. You definitely don't take the baby's leg to massage. But this That's just brilliant. That the story you were talking about this mother who you know, just did not want to feed and she had in God's breast. If you can just tell us that story, I think it was very powerful. Yes. Uh, yeah, I have immense respect for this mother. She's Rachna and she actually had her first baby and she uh, had a normal birth. So she expected that she's going to fall in love with the baby once the baby is born. And when they got the baby to her, she just didn't want to see her baby. She felt extreme detachment. She did not feel any love, she says. She just told the nurses, take the baby away and give uh, formula milk. And the nurses, the doctors, everybody tried to you know, counsel her and into the uh, benefits of breastfeeding and all of that. But she just couldn't get herself to look at her baby and feed. And then after, obviously, she ended up in severe engorgement. 
And she said that was even worse than labor, the pain that she felt at that time because of enlargement. And uh, she somehow gathered the courage to bring her baby to her breast and feed. And she said with every long feed that the baby had, the engorgement started feeling better. The pain started feeling better. She started accepting her baby better. And nothing else really worked for engorgement. It was just that one thing that she was really running away from, which was feeding, that actually brought her closer to her baby eventually. And she started this journey of mixed feeding, yes, but then she started accepting her baby, loving her baby, and most importantly, enjoying this journey is what she's had to say. I think this sort of brings all of what we were speaking for the past hour uh, to conclusion to say that, you know, each child and each mother has a different ex expectation of their journey of motherhood and different expectation and experience of feeding. So, so what we're trying to come together as a conclusion is that motherhood doesn't have a manual. Yeah, someone? Yes, that's right, Anusha. You know, as I've been thinking about this, I've, I've kind of come to this conclusion that as women, as mothers, you know, our physical and emotional well-being is really important. We, we will all have different priorities we're working around. Um, but I just feel it's really important to take this journey slow and to be flexible. Um, but, you know, most importantly, to enjoy it. And when you, you know, you can't breastfeed, you didn't, or when you just couldn't, whatever choice you make really can sometimes be an informed choice and sometimes you make it in ignorance, but you make that choice knowing that you did it in the best interest of your child and yourself presenting with the circumstances you had at that point of time. And whether you choose to exclusively breastfeed whether you choose to mixed feed, whether you choose exclusive formula feeding, whether you started and then ended with formula, fed short while and then continued formula, whatever the choice is and what decision you to nourish your baby, you could never fail as a mother. Thank you so much, Lata. It, is a, it was an amazing experience talking to you and for all the parents and especially mothers, they're breastfeeding. Uh, remember that it's a journey and that's what we take away from this and it's unique to you and your child whatever the mode of nourishment so enjoy that experience um, with your child and we will see you with another episode very soon thank you someone thank you Lata thank you Anusha bye everyone thank you everyone bye